Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsaw. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is our News and Cues show. We're going to talk all the Star Wars news, take some audience questions, Jedi Temple Challenge, and lots of big possible Star Wars news, and for sure Star Wars news this weekend. Uh, yeah, for sure, and not not for sure, but we want. There's a lot of things coming your way from us here on the Super Star Destroyer of our fleet. We always want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. 
Get a free, free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, we'll have our Four Center recommends an audiobook or a piece of content we think you should try out on us. <laughs> Joseph, oh, did, I, did I spoil it there? Uh, Joseph, do you have any life or Star Wars adventures that the world needs to know? Uh, no, just now I really, really want to do uh, some piece of art called a piece of content, like maybe an artsy indie film called a piece of content. Yeah, I, I will. I'll work on writing it and you, you will star in it. It's I, I picture you on a cliffside overlooking the ocean and then the title card comes up. Ken Knapsack in Joseph Scrimshaw's A Piece of Content. Uh, a Burbank Film Festival entrant. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, life adventures. Uh, yeah, life is kind of is is full of uh, lots of adventures lately. Um, I had to go to Target. Like it was one of those kind of situations where, like, uh, my wife and I absolutely need some supplies right now. I would not choose uh, to go to Target because I'm trying to be very careful about when I do go out. Uh, but I was all masked up. Had to do it. Uh, the kind of the last time I was out in the world before everything locked down, I was also at a target. Uh, so this was kind of, this is a little bookends for me. Um, but it was great. I had to be there anyway. So of course I was going to go to the toy section. Yeah. And, uh, it was really interesting to see. There was this big sign end cap sign uh, at target of Empire Strikes Back 40th anniversary and oh it gave me goosebumps I got so excited and then it was truly like reliving my childhood there were signs for toys but there weren't really any toys <laughs> it was instead of sad lobot uh it was just a bunch of probe droids which hey black series probe droid awesome too That's big great. for my physically literally too large for my collection I got to be real careful about what I buy uh before I run out of space and you know just get crushed under an avalanche of Star Wars awesome toys uh, but it was really it was cool to be out in the world for just a minute. And it was cool to just even see that sign, even though there weren't many toys to go along with it. <laughs> the hope of toys yet to come. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my Star Wars adventure. You know, it's a it's a weird time for toys, I think, in general, even I think uh, having nothing to do with uh, the virus. It's just a real transitional time in toys where it seems like uh, a ton of the the market is really just uh, collectibles that you're buying online and, and things aren't really making it to the shelves much. And if they are, they get picked clean quickly. Mm. Mm. So true. Uh, I remember my, the, one of my last trips to Target, it's been a couple months though, um, went in and, and, and everyone was racing towards the essentials and I did go to the toy aisle because you know what? That's <laughs> part of my mental health and that's essential too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so how about you? What kind of life or Star Wars adventures do you have this week? Uh, man, busy week talking about content, work and work and work and all this week, which is fun, man. I, I just keep reminding myself when it gets stressful or I get down, you know, we can get down, uh, you know, numbers and, and your place in it all and all those kind of things. And, and, and that's, that's all folly. That's just folly. I do, you know, we, we, every week talk about Star Wars. I get to talk about Game of Thrones and now baseball and all these things. It's like 14 year old me is like, what a dream. What a dream. So I love that perspective. In terms of Star Wars, uh, I got to say, uh, Grace, uh, my wonderful uh, partner in, in, in crime, uh, she has been, um, I'll just say, addicted to TikTok lately. And uh, I don't know if you know, Joseph, there's an entire Kylo Ren TikTok. I world. didn't know that. I truly okay. did not know that. I'm 
no joke, probably heard 300 of these videos. I don't watch them. I hear them over my shoulder. <laughs> so she is a Star Wars fan. As everyone knows who listens to the show, she is a Star Wars fan very much on her own. Uh, and it was just like Kylo's like her favorite character for reasons. The reasons are varied. Um, <laughs> and she was like, I kind of need to watch. So Star Wars is a way I'm not going to ever fight you on that. So we put aside our ghost adventures uh, binge watching that we always do. And uh, she was like, what do we watch? Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. We end up settling on Rise of Skywalker. And, you know, I, I always have these reminders and I say it and I think those listening to Force Center can maybe, uh, I don't know, either you already believe it so you don't need, need me to keep saying it. But also it's maybe it's nice to hear for any newer listeners. We're fans, man. Joseph, you and I are fans. Mm-hmm. And we love doing this. And there I am watching Rise of Skywalker. And and the first maybe 15 minutes movie, I was checking some stuff, looking at Big Bear rental prices on Zillow, uh, you know, all these uh, things. Um, and looking up, right? Win the war. Okay, I look up. You know, Claude, oh, I look up. Then all, about 15, 20 minutes, I, 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 you know, I put the phone. I'm just now engaged. And, and here it is three, three times on the movie. Eyes moist, tears crying <laughs> i've never had that with any star wars film and, and all the problems that movie has and i understand there's some problems and there's some things that maybe i like you don't or some things that i go yeah yeah, you're right um but i still enjoy it. i've never had this with any star wars film it still gets me uh, i really love it i'm here to celebrate uh the rise of skywalker uh proudly and those are the moments that remind me that uh this movie got me and i'm plugged into it and so that was a fun star wars adventure that is a it's a great Star Wars adventure, and I think a great way to describe uh, our feelings about Rise of Skywalker. I'm definitely for me, like I sometimes describe uh, movies or TV shows I really love like a family member. You know, they they almost feel more human <laughs> when they have flaws, and whatever flaws Rise of Skywalker might have, and I got a couple of um, you know, minor issues for myself from kind of I guess major issues, but anyway, point being, uh. I feel about that movie like a loved one of, yeah, I, I get it. You know, you have some flaws, but you, what you communicate to me is just love and kindness and empathy. And it moves me. Mm. Yeah. I still describe that movie to people as, as a tremendously powerful spiritual journey of a movie. And it's got a lot of flashbang, whiz bang, loud noises, great sound design. Grace just loved. She kept just every sound design moment was like, oh, the sound design of this is so great. That Exegol uh, lightning is one of the best oh, sounds in all of Star Wars. Uh, the shot of Palpatine uh, firing up the, 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 yeah, that lightning to ships is just, it's just, it's, uh, it gets me every time. Um, and um, yeah, and, and, and all that stuff. But, but beneath it all, it, it to me is perhaps one of the more spiritual Star Wars movies. And Last Jedi, it moved me on other levels too, but that was they're not comparing them, but it's like this one just get, gets me in a different way. And so uh, kudos to, to them. And yeah, I agree with that. I agree with what you're saying, but that's all the movies, you know, it's like, you know, you and I've been watching a lot of uh, prequels, watching a lot of attack the clones. And that's always my quote, lowest ranked star Wars film, right? Whatever that means. <laughs> um, now getting so much, you and I've been re, re rewatching the clone wars and the next one up is the movie. That's the next episode you and I got. Yeah. I got to tell you, but we'll talk about it on Friday when we release that episode. I have never had this much enjoyment of that silly movie uh, that I I could have I could write essays on why I don't think it should exist. Right? You know, <laughs> um, at least back then, I I never had more fun watching that movie. Yeah. It, so, 
Anyways, Star Wars. <laughs> Breaking. We like Star Wars. Here like on the thousandth episode of our podcast. <laughs> and I always, sorry, this is almost like a rant, but I get, I, I over the last couple of years, I just, I just got tired of hearing, oh, well, you're just a positive Star Wars fan. Oh, yeah, I wish I could have your passion for Star Wars. No, man, it's it's just, I like this. <laughs> I just like this. I saw it at seven, fell in love with it. And like uh, any kind of uh, uh, love, sometimes you, you you don't talk for a while. The communication's bad and there's moments you get upset. But at the end of the day, at the end of the night, this is the thing you want with you. <laughs> yeah. I, that's how I view it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had one of those great moments this morning when I was getting ready for our recording. I was getting, you know, kind of stressed about everything that I have to do and getting the notes ready and all that. And then uh, I, I fell behind because I wanted to make sure I had some extra details correct about the Tuscan Raiders and fell down a Wikipedia hole. <laughs> Going, I didn't know it was called the Mushroom Mesa. Interesting. Where did that come from? Like, and just like totally disappearing into my love of this thing. Absolutely. It's, well, speaking of love, man, we got we got some love coming here. We got a lot of good, juicy news stories. The Force Center word of the month, juicy, juicy, juicy. And let's start the news here, Joseph. Um, you know, but we're we're free falling on this one a little bit. Usually, we have some notes, some write ups. We just have one, a little sentence with an exclamation point in our notes this week that says Lando rumors. <laughs> let's go in. This this kind of popped up last week. Uh, it is for the most part most point a one source story and we here at four center what do we say joseph we're just trying to we check starwars.com for official news yeah yeah i think so and, and that's what's happened a lot is you know different things have uh news has broken with a uh, few sources or a lot of sources and for me i sort of rate how likely i feel based on how many sources it has but even with all of that i personally don't take anything confirmed i don't take anything as being you know announced uh until it is announced by the people involved uh and that's partially just for me wanting to uh protect my own little star wars soul of i don't want to assume something's going to happen until it's really truly deeply officially uh announced because even when rumors are accurate things change in hollywood all the time and I also just kind of feel like it is good practice for uh, for being a citizen of the world to uh, really double check, like, where where is the information coming from? You know, how many sources uh, have independently confirmed it versus the way the Internet works right now where things can, you know, a telephone game can happen, even when the information is good. Even when mm -hmm. there's one source and that source is probably right, there can still be like this level of responsibility where it can start with one source with reliable information. And then 10 articles later, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, you're into this telephone game of so-and-so says, so-and-so says, and you got to go through eight links before you get down to where did this come from? So I just mm -hmm. always uh, like to be mindful of that, which is why, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're calling this a rumor, probably a, a, a good rumor makes a lot yeah. of sense rumor, but still, to me, not announced until Lucasfilm or Donald Glover says it. Yeah, and 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 choosing what quote unquote rumor based stories we talk about here in Force Center. I don't know if there's a hard fast set rule for us. It's just when we kind of look at it, get a sense of uh, number one, yeah, this might be true. Let's talk about it. But two, hey, this might be true, and that's fun. Let's talk about the possibilities. Is always where we approach this from. So. This idea that Donald Glover will be returning for a Disney Plus based series of uh, Lando Calrissian, I don't know, one season, two seasons, short seasons, many seasons, 
those are the kind of things we we, we wouldn't know right now uh, and don't know. Uh, but uh, there's also supplemental rumors, rumors based on rumors, built on rumors that could all be fact that, hey, this could also involve Billy D. Williams. And maybe it's a bookend. He's telling a story. It's the Calrissian Chronicles, um, which, uh, quite frankly, just sounds really fun to me. I like that idea. Uh, it reminds me of uh, young Indiana Jones Chronicles as well. So uh, that's kind of the headline, Joseph. Let's dive in. What do you think about this? Not so much the chances, but uh, what this could be. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess the last thing I would want to say about the chances is, yeah. you know, I think there this does seem like a good chance to me because uh, whatever kind of contract everybody involved with Solo had, it was for more movies. So, you know, I don't know all the business of that, if that can translate into television. But when you look at it that way, I'm like, well, Donald Glover might have already had some kind of contract. And oh, by the way, he is one of the most popular and successful mm-hmm. actor, writers, directors around right now. So, of course, Disney Plus would want him if they could get him. So for me, there's that like this is not a wild theory, right? Uh, no, I wouldn't call this a, call this a wild theory at all. At all, um, I think, uh, uh, yeah, it, I, I don't. And it's funny, like I don't know why. In my head, same with Amelia Clark and Alden Ehrenreich. We talked a lot about Alden last week about this idea of. Um, you know, uh, would they do it? Like, would they forget the contract? Would they be interested? And I don't know because of their, are my perceived, my, my perception of their status, Amelia Clark, right? She's, she's one of the bigger TV stars in the world. And uh, she wouldn't want to do this. Oh, there, like he's an actor who does not want to be involved with this anymore. Oh, maybe not. Maybe that's not true. And then Donald Glover loves Lando. We, we heard the stories, uh, you know, get, getting a pizza and watching empire strikes back when he was cast, uh, and, and brought his energy to it. And it's like, God, oh, he's got so much going on. Would he want to do it? Um, I don't know why I, this is a Ken thing. I don't know why I think he wouldn't want to do it. Um, I guess that's a mindset I'd have to change. I have, I don't know him. I haven't spoken with him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's something about hearing a television show in kind of thinking of that as you know regular you know traditional broadcast it was that 22 episodes an hour long it's you know you know how i i months and months and months of shooting versus maybe a you know a, a shorter one shot television uh you know limited yeah. series kind of thing it's maybe maybe timing wise it just makes it a little bit more attractive than traditional television yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely uh, yeah, so then for for what it could be, the I love the uh, the Calrissian Chronicles. Uh, Billy D. Williams would be great, but uh, that Calrissian Chronicles that is are just a really fresh, interesting approach, but also really fits with Star Wars. We've talked a lot about how Star Wars uh, feels like it is a little bit of a story that is being told to you with the uh, starting with a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Three PO and R two being sort of floated by uh, Lucas in in early days is that you're kind of hearing the story through them and unreliable narrators so there's all this kind of juicy star wars history in the idea of lando sitting there and telling you a story (laughs) about lando but for what that story is i got really excited about what's different about lando Mm -hmm. from han and i feel like there's this great thread in the lando storytelling we have of like yeah he's a scoundrel yeah he's a smuggler yeah he's an adventurer but what makes him different and to me it always seems like because lando likes the finer things, I think likes uh, a little bit more order, a little less chaos, that he's always trying to settle down. Like, Mm. not necessarily not have an adventure, but just have a thing that's going to pay off so he can drink and party (laughs) and be around the finer things. Like, even when we meet him in Solo, he has claimed he's retired. And then, 
uh, circumstances change. He's not retired anymore. That's where we meet him in Empire. He's he's managed to lock down a thing that keeps the money flowing. So I would love a story of basically like Lando trying to land a business, really, and that allows him to have the finer things or, you know, mm. get get to some planet and, and get himself appointed <laughs> royalty and just be able to have the finer things but that keeps falling apart like that that seems really interesting to me like lando trying to be a businessman and having it taken away from him like sort of um almost like sims with uh, action and violence <laughs> like i'm just trying to make this i'm trying to get out of the game i i got this sweet kind of con going on where i get to have uh the fine things and i'm surrounded by luxury but it keeps falling apart and the blaster has to keep coming out uh, that would be a really interesting Lando story to me. <laughs> I love that. It's almost a little bit of, I wasn't even supposed to be here today type of uh, <laughs> that attitude. I love that you started this uh, thought here of, of what is different between Lando and Han, particularly around this time. I have no thoughts either, either way of, do I want this before Solo or after Solo? And quite frankly, I don't care right now where it is because I think it'd be the same either way. He is fully formed in a way when we meet him in Solo. Kira, like you just said, the reputation uh, precedes him in, in many areas of his life, shall we say. <laughs> um, I'm fascinated by, by the fact that when we meet him, he's like, I'm kind of done with all. I'm, I'm ready to retire, ready to change. You know, that's pretty interesting to me. So he brings a different perspective to the galaxy because of his taste, because of his adventures. We've seen some of them. We get a Lando comic based around the younger version God, yeah, right before Solo came out or a little bit after. Um, we got the the stuff in Rebels with the puffer pigs and everything, uh, which is more closer to the Lando we know. And I'm thinking to one of my favorite little pieces is the from a certain point of view story of him watching the holos of the Falcon and going, that's got to be Han. What makes Han care about all this? That's interesting to me. So you could get a different perspective of the galaxy because it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Joseph, even in, in a, a troubled, dangerous, oppressed galaxy, he is enjoying things going on. He has found his way in this galaxy. And then when that is challenged, how does that Lando get to the Lando uh, at the end of Empire, but in the middle of Empire? Just, you know, I'm just a businessman trying to, you know, leave me alone, leave me alone until he joins up, right? What makes him join up? That's a long journey. But to see that pop up earlier of looking around and going, I don't Yeah, the things don't look good, but. I'm making out all right. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to settle down and uh, I don't care about the big picture, but what starts pulling him in, you know, what, what starts cracking his soul? Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. And I think you could see that, that he, you know, he does have empathy. I think part of what breaks, uh, breaks him to, to join the rebellion is, you know, he feels bad about betraying Han, but it, there, I also get this sense of just, he cared about cloud city that was not that was his yeah. his city that's now you know he tried to get all those citizens out and now they're trapped there and under that i mean there's there's this straightforward just like hey i i, I ran from the empire as long as i could and wherever i went it found me and i can't run anymore but they, you do get that sense of empathy similar to han and that would be a cool thing to build a little bit yeah um yeah to build from there uh and uh you know he get i one of my first Star Wars books that I read outside of the the novelizations of the of the original trilogy were those Lando adventure books. I didn't read the Han ones a little bit later, but the, the, the Lando ones I read confused the hell out of me as like eight year old. I was like, <laughs> where, what is, where's three PO? And I don't know. That might have been my 
where my aversion kind of started, uh, you know, on uh, either EU or just stuff that I have to like kind of be like, okay, Luke's not in this one. Oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I think that's where it maybe comes from. But what what this could could mean is is he, you can go anywhere in the galaxy, and you can go um, you can go upper crust, lower crust, middle crust. Lando fits into all of it and fits into all of it well. This could be perhaps the uh, uh, sexiest Star Wars story uh, on screen. Uh, you know, you could play around with some of those kind of tropes and, and things going on, and things we know about Lando. You could really dive into that. So the, the potentials are, are endless, and I would love. I got to say this carefully because um, I've been a fan of Donald Glover. I mean, I, community back in the day, all those kind of even before when he used to write for Thirty Rock, I just kind of knew of this guy. Um, and uh, just uber talented without a doubt. But I, you know, at times I thought he didn't get as much to, I don't know. He land, his performance of Lando um, was fine to me at times. Great in at moments, fine overall, but to, to, as a performer to get to dive into that and really feel so this is the Lando led show versus, you know, I'm here to serve the story of Han Solo. I would love to see him sink his teeth into that and figure out what he could do. That is a great point too, and and him being an accomplished uh, not just actor but you know writer, director, creator to see how much input he will get into saying like, hey, yeah, we, we've had these tip of the iceberg elements of Lando. Here's the one I really want to pursue, and here's the one I really want to sink my teeth in. And in fact, I want to show you this side of Lando you've never seen before that makes perfect sense, but you haven't seen it before. And knowing that he, he like you're saying, he's not there as a part of Han Solo, uh, Han Solo's story. It's absolutely his story. How much more fleshed out Lando could be is is really exciting. Yeah, and, and because this this is the solo verse, so to speak, Joseph. And we talked a lot about uh, what Alden said recently. Uh, you and I are very much on the board of we'd love uh, Kira uh, to to lead a story and have her journey, maybe uh, leading Crimson Dawn or or taking out some characters there. And then uh, we both love Infus Nest and think there's storytelling potential there. There's that era. This is that era that that we think's uh, ripe for for stories. Does does this being a Lando series? Do you still think this could lead to some of those connections? I, it would be weird to me. I don't know. I mean, you'd have to explain if it him and Han meet up again. Does it count? Because I I don't know if between Solo and Empire, that's the only time they've seen each other. Uh, I don't know the can. I don't even particularly care for the canon answer right now. I just have my own kind of head version of that. I think there was one other meeting or at least one other incident, um, but I don't know. I'm not holding on to that. So anyways, uh, do you think the Soloverse could pop up in this kind of show? Yeah, I think uh, some element of the Soloverse could definitely pop up. For my head canon, uh, I want Han and Lando to have run into each other many, many times and had, uh, I think they're on a roller coaster. They've had times where they're buddies where they're totally in sync and they've had times where they've fallen out. And uh, I like right now not knowing which incident is the one that they're talking about in Empire. You know, it yeah. definitely could be Solo, but uh, but it could be other things as well. So for that, yeah, I'm real torn because I want more of Enfys Nest. I want more of Kira. Um, I'm excited that there could be a, a Han Solo Disney Plus series. I'm excited there could be a Lando series, but there's something a little bit about Enfys and uh, Kira that in some ways I want their story to be their story. I don't want them, they're interesting enough to me and vital enough to me that I don't want them to be a cog in somebody else's story. Mm -hmm. You know, if it is a story of Lando is trying to to carve out 
some nice piece of living that he can just enjoy the moment, enjoy the now, retire, but he gets caught up in some rebellion he doesn't really want to be a part of, and that's Enfys's rebellion. And if it, it feels like a little bit like the Lando and Enfys show, then I'd be okay with that. But I kind of, I don't want either of them to be a subplot. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, will I, would, would I take an episode, an appearance, a cameo? Sure, I'm going to take anything I can get. Um, But yes, yeah. Uh, there's just so much more with Infus character that I think uh, we could learn and enjoy and definitely with the Kira too. So I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm excited for all the solo verse. If they just announced like, actually, this is what we're doing. We're doing a solo verse and it's all going to come together. We're, you're, we're totally doing a, you know, uh, Netflix is a uh, uh, Marvel that <laughs> it builds up, uh, you know, that, that one, uh, I liked individual series, the defenders team up, not great. So I'm not comparing uh, that, but if it was like, yeah, we're doing a Han show, a Lando show, a Kira show, an Infant's Nest, and then there's going to be this, you know, fifth ser- series where they all meet up. Like, I'd be all for that because they all get to shine. They all get to come together. Solo Avengers. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I, I'll i be honest. I, I, I After I saw some of the the initial reports and rumors going around, I didn't click on a lot of them. So I don't I don't know right now what could be confirmed, what's not confirmed. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll wait. Uh, to see it all. Because the other thing, the other factor, Joseph, let's talk about it. Great. This is announced officially um, the moment after we release this episode, which is often what happens. <laughs> Still not going to be shooting this for a while. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing to, to temper my excitement with all of these announcements with things that are absolutely confirmed, like uh, Kenobi, Cassian, uh, whatever uh, Leslie Hetland is doing is uh, my excitement is, is tempered by the fact of they're not going to get moving until we can actually, uh, you know, defeat the virus uh, enough to get uh, live filming going. Otherwise, I'm looking forward to all 87 seasons of The Bad Batch. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the only thing. Uh, so, yeah, we will have more uh, on this. We joke, but I'm sure some, some, some other rumor will pop up, some other story. Uh, and again, and we also appreciate your understanding of us kind of trying to explain how we're approaching some of these stories and our views here, uh, we enjoy uh, good Star Wars content and Star Wars. We 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 go. Ooh, don't mind if I do when we see a, a tantalizing headline as well. But uh, we also want to make sure we're getting uh, the right and uh, proper information out there. Yeah, as best we say. Well, we got some other news stories here. Uh, we're not done. We're not done. There you go. That one was just our little uh, breaking news one, uh, so to speak. And it and it uh, and it went a bit here. Um, we'll run through these ones here. Inside the High Republic Part. Two, go to StarWars.com if you want to learn more about two Jedi Knights. One we kind of already had heard about. One is uh, brand new to us. We've got uh, got a Skier. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> Skier, a Trandoshan Jedi. Gruff, opinionated, been around the block, has a secret. <laughs> Avar Chris, human female Jedi, previously revealed to a point, but now we know more. Wise, compassionate, and revealed as the previously mentioned hero of Hetzal. And then uh, we also got in this kind of batch of information. You click on a, a second story. Uh, was Michael Siglin, Siglin, I think his name uh, was, um, uh, revealed some stuff. There's power players, Joseph. We got power players, and it's the Santecas. Yeah. Ooh, look at this. Marlin and Velas, hyperspace pro- prospecting dynasty. The Santecas will be showing up. Larry Hagman, uh, uh, not theirs. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's right. I made a Dallas and dynasty <laughs> reference. 
I apologize. Uh, but here's the thing about the Centecas, Joseph. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. They also have a secret. Okay, so I'm just going to be very, very clear on this. We have confirmation of three characters. We have the Santeca family. We have Sikihar and Avar Chris. And two out of the three have a secret. Secrets. Secret. Secrets. Um, yes, and there's a little bit of other High Republic-related information coming in the next story here, but this is the main stuff here. So, all right. Trandoshan Jedi, man. I, I didn't think I'd be down for that. Like, I mean, I, I'd take any Jedi. I like Opal Rensis, for Christ's sake, but like, you know, you don't think about it. And then I saw it and I was like, well, that looks pretty good. I like that. Oh, yeah. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I think this is one of the things going back to, uh, I remember sitting in a specific bar with a specific friend in uh, the early spring of 99, guessing what kind of Jedi we might see. And I think we probably reviewed, like, do you think Trandoshan? Could there be a Trandoshan Jedi in the Phantom Menace? For me, that's always been one of the fun things of knowing, like, Jedi are of all species. And just because we've met a species before in a certain context doesn't mean, like, that everyone is of the, you know, exact same culture. So uh, I go back a long way with that kind of excitement of seeing different kinds of Jedi. And I'm insecure makes me uh, really excited. A, a great point on that, because I don't know, maybe it's just you grow up with Bosk and the figure and everything. And, and even in Mando, but you got a lot of bounty hunters, right? I don't know. You can, you can absolutely fall into the trap of pigeonholing some of these uh, alien species in star Wars into one particular thing. Now again, Jawas, Ugnaughts, you know, will we see a Jawa Jedi? I don't know. Maybe uh, an Ugnaught Jedi. Uh, I'd be down for that now after after seeing uh, Quill. Uh, but, you know, it's just kind of that thing. It's like, uh, you know, the whole planet's a forest. The whole planet's a city. Uh, Star Wars can do that. So <laughs> it is uh, it is a, a good benefit of this era to be like, oh, cool. Yeah, Trandoshan Jedi. All are welcome in the Jedi Order. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the Clone Wars really did double down on at least a part of Trandoshan culture being very much, you know, this uh, lineages of hunters. Uh, so that'll be great to see if they lean into that and say, like, well, there's there are other cultures uh, within Trandoshan culture or if Seeker is really that's what's fascinating about him is he is uh, bucking the cultural trends of the Trandoshans. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a secret. He was a. Uh... <laughs> He's a big game hunter on the weekend. I don't know. know. Um, Avar Chris is also going to have something to do with this um, inciting incident, the the one we're kind of, you know, we read that um, excerpt of from uh, uh, Kevin Scott's uh, book. Um, Charles Sewell, I think. Charles Sewell's the first one out. Right. Gotcha. Um, So she'll have something to do with that. And then I like this. I like that we already have a history within this uh, show. I was going to say show in, in, in this series. It's about history. I love that. So that we got, she is a, a hero of Hetzal. I can't wait to find out. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by that, uh, partially because I have a friend named Hetzel. So I keep seeing that and say, hero of Dan Hetzel. No, hero of Hetzal. He- hero of Hetzal. Maybe, uh, yeah. Yeah, great point about, like, I, I want, even though this, this takes place 200 years before uh, Phantom Menace, I still do want that sense of of history, that that sense of the contrast between the old and the new in star wars which really makes star wars sing to me um yeah so how in this jedi she's sort of being described as is a pretty like good traditional jedi a wise mm-hmm. and compassionate and powerful so how will it affect her to be a legend which is you know already kind of known as a hero which in theory is something that 
would be a byproduct of being a Jedi, but not something a Jedi like her would crave. So that makes mm. me interested to see if they're going to dive into that kind of contrast of, you know, adventure, excitement, uh, being labeled the hero of Hetzal. <laughs> a Jedi craves not these things, you know? Right. Does that start to turn her? Uh, no. Uh, look, the Santec, we love Lord Santec. Uh, oh, man. Know, there's a lot of potential for that character. This is uh, clearly a family line here. Uh, what, what do you think about this uh, pretty direct connection? Oh, I love this. I love that they are uh, prospecting, uh, basically finding a hyperspace route started as just like, what, we are lowly prospectors, and then they hit upon something. That's, uh, man, I'm a big history fan. Both my wife and I have worked at many different uh, historical uh, uh, museums and and, uh, buildings, and that's always the story of the family who becomes a dynasty, and there's almost always something really sketchy in that past where in order to hold on to that discovery you have stepped on some necks and you have done some not great stuff this is like to me this is very deadwood this is very you know robber barons this is a if you you track down the founders of cities who successfully like defended a claim uh you track down the people who built logging industry who built railroad and you will find some dynasties with some secrets (laughs) <laughs> the, yeah hadn't thought of it in those terms directly you mentioned deadwood and i'm immediately uh I- intrigued even more if we can put, turn it into that yeah boop, boop. um so yes i um i like that i think that could be their secret what's in the santeca's past and how does that directly down the line does it does it at all 200 plus years later uh, involve lore going, I don't want to be part of that anymore. I'm an adventurer, but I'm going to work with the force. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it gives it this great frontier feeling because it, I think it is really taking from actual stories of frontier in, in the real world. Uh, well said, well said. I continue to get more excited for the high Republic than I, I thought I was going to be. If that makes sense. I've, I've never, Hey, yeah, I'm a positive Star Wars fan. No, I was just like, all right, this, this sounds great. This sounds fun. I'll, I'll, I'll read these books when they come out. But the world they're setting up already, the history drawn from the real world type stuff, real world stories and examples in our own histories. That's exciting. That's intriguing. I think they're doing a great job getting us ready for it. Yeah. I'm stoked. Stoked is a good word. Yes. <laughs> Another trend ocean. We were stoked. Uh, stoked. We were skater kids in the 80s, right? now. Um, <laughs> I did have some town and country shirts in junior high. I don't apologize. <laughs> I said, like, hey, uh, you know, this would have been San Diego Comic-Con International if uh, the, the world was a little bit different. But instead, we got to enjoy it at home. That's the first question. I'll start right there, Joseph. Did you enjoy it at home? Because I did not. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed looking at all of the photos that kept coming up in my various social media memories and other people posting photos. And I enjoyed that sense of uh, sense of community. Uh, I was also really interested to see how much uh, the big uh, companies would hold their fire if they would put out really huge announcements or just kind of check ins. And I think, you know, for the most part, it was not as huge as Comic-Con normally is. And that, that felt appropriate to me. And this news is like all great stuff. There's some announcements uh, in the stuff we're going to talk about in Star Wars, but not like huge, huge breaking news. Yeah, it was good. And look, this uh, this just this makes me sound like a bad person. And I'm going to have to stand by, Joseph. 
I don't go to Comic Con for the panels. <laughs> I go to Comic Con to be uh, hungover at two p.m. at a Seven Eleven. All right, uh, hanging out with my friends, but working hard. Um, but someone I'll, who's been trying to get Wi-Fi in a toilet stall so I can get the breaking news that happened literally a block away from me at Comic Con. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, so let's get into Lucasfilm Publishing. They did have a panel and some uh, cool little reveals. Again, nothing huge, but some good stuff. The Lightsaber Collection. This is a book. Uh, looks like a great coffee table style book. It looks at the evolution of the weapon and those that wield them. What we'll profiles of those that use them? Great cover. Different blades, different uh, hilts on the cover. Uh, you know, Joseph, I know you like lightsabers. You built one. What do you think about this? Uh, smashing that buy button. This one I'm really excited by. There, there's so uh, there's really a lot going on in publishing, not just the uh, straightforward novels and comic books, but so many books like this. And and I really am getting to my like limit of <laughs> uh, how much a time I have to read everything. But this one I will make time for because I do really love lightsabers and I like the the approach this book looks like it's taken. Yeah, I would not. This is one that doesn't immediately jump out to me for no big reason, for no big reason other than, I don't know, I'm looking at my coffee table space right now and we we are we are running out <laughs> and I got to choose. But this just looks like one that that I can I, I can spend some time with and get some revelations and just kind of celebrate this weapon that is so associated with Star Wars. And I do have a lot of them sitting around. So even if I don't think I'm drawn to it, I think I'll be drawn to it and it'll definitely be uh, something I'm excited to add. Yeah. Um, yeah, we got a couple more here. Uh, IDW comic titles uh, are on the way. Uh, more from Tales from Vader's Castle. We got some Tales of Villainy, Tales of the Dark Side. As I think I've said before, but I'll, I'll be clear about it, I have not read any of the IDW comics. They are canon. Um, I, I, some of you are probably like, oh, but you got... I totally agree with you. I just at some point... When the Star Wars adventures from IDW started pouring out and onto the racks of my comic shop, I just had to make that choice of, I can't, um, a little overwhelmed right now, a ton of Marvel stuff coming out with the Star Wars line. I'm, I'm pulling those every every week on my stack. I, I So I just have not gone down the IDW route. I have one or two, I think, that picked up based on either the content or the cover. Um, I don't know about you, Joseph. I know, I know you probably, I think you've been even a little less even on the Marvel ones too, as well, just because again, so much content, you can get overwhelmed. Uh, what do you think about these ones? Oh yeah, I'm excited. I, uh, the IDW comics, the only ones I've read is that the previous Vader's Castle, uh, series, which was really, really great, really enjoyable. Uh, Kevin Scott is one of my favorite Star Wars writers and I love Vader's Castle. So I did dive into that. Um, it, but, and I like the Marvel comics a lot and I just, uh, I've still been playing catch up since from when they relaunched in 2015 <laughs> and I uh, trying to stay caught up. Uh, but the ID, the ones that looked the Vader's castle, those covers are great. Uh, they all look great. The, the ones they announced that are going to jump around in time and have different adventures and had some pictures of uh, rise, generally rise of Skywalker era, uh, Ray Finn and Poe, like mm. like many other fans, I'm so hungry for those adventures. I might pick those up, and I and I get that they're Star Wars adventures for all ages. So I think they really are. Like we're not trying to, you know, totally reveal this new side of this character. It's just a fun adventure they have, mm. and I I'm kind of hungry for that for Ray Finn and Poe of just like yeah, show show me a run they went on, and they encountered right. something interesting and fun and just had a little adventure. I might make the time for that. 
Good point. Good point. I'm, I'm tisk tisking myself here. No, no, no. We all have to make choices. Yeah, we do. We do. Uh, then we get the Art of Galaxy Galaxy's Edge. Excuse me. The Art of Galaxy's Edge. Uh, Amy Ratcliffe kind of leading uh, the charge on this one here. Uh, she's great. Um, I, uh, you know, this is. I don't have the art of Fallen Order. I don't have the art of Rebels yet. I love the art of books. This is one, again, almost similar to Lightsaber one where I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know if I'll, uh, I'll get that one. But then, you know, my one trip to Galaxy's Edge, I still think about often. <laughs> so, and for various reasons, some days like, man, that, that ice cream treat was great. Or, wow, tears, because I just can't believe I experienced that. You know, it, it varies. So to see again how they came about this, um, I am fascinated. I love the Imagineering series on Disney Plus. Unapologetically, just love it. I just I get fascinated with the building of those worlds. So to see it, it, it get even even more insight into that because it's such just it's just, it's an accomplishment. I really do think Galaxy's Edge is. So uh, I think I think now that I th- I say it out loud, Joseph, I've talked myself into. <laughs> Welcome to Ken and Joseph talk themselves into buying and reading even more <laughs> Star Wars stuff. Here on Four Center, yeah, no, I, 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 I get where you're coming from, but I'm really curious to see how they approach this uh, differently than a movie because it is such a different design, but it is still being so in canon in in it. The design of Galaxy's Edge, there's so much that went into how, why it works, but for me, part of what was so successful is just everywhere I looked, I, it felt genuinely like Star Wars, just aesthetically. Oh, I, can't, I can't wait to go back. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You know. And there was some news today, very as we went to to, to tape here, uh about holidays, life day, and all that could be you could have some themed holidays at uh, Galaxy's Edge. That's great. I'm I personally am not comfortable to to head back yet. Some people are. That's fine. Uh we'll mask up and head out there. Uh I'm looking forward to experiencing those uh those a uh, life day celebration at Galaxy's Edge would probably be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, couple quick notes here uh we already knew about justina ireland's high republic a test of courage and she revealed that a character in it avon staros does connect to santa staros santa staros is a great character unveiled in the comics too much controversy if you remember the heady light days of 2015 where she stepped down at the end of a comic in a panel and said i'm han solo's wife we should have known Back then, that the Star Wars fandom had a potential to explode into uh, <laughs> areas because that caused so many problems. I remember on Jedi Alliance, we covered it. And I remember saying, well, just wait. We got to see in the next issue. She could be not telling the truth or could there could be more to the story. <laughs> and beyond that, if you if you didn't dig in more, you you have not experienced an awesome character. And talking about the Lando series, going back to that story, you could absolutely bring Santa Staros into that story because she's had interactions. There's a great comic yeah. with her and Lando. Uh, Santa Staros um, or Sana, I say Santa, but um, man, she, she's a potentially really great character. So I love that. Uh, I, again, just a connection. It's 200 years prior or so, but uh, I love that. I love that Justine Ireland uh, did that and was able to do that. Yeah, me too. I, I think these generational themes in Star Wars are really important. And uh, I feel like so far what we've heard from High Republic of like, it makes sense that there would be some uh, connections. I don't need everybody to be this is how they tie back to somebody from, you know, one of the eras we know. Mm-hmm. But I like there being some connection because that is such a part of the story of Star Wars is, the, you know, the past can't be everything, but you also can't ignore it. We are still connected to the past. Uh, final note of the day, Greg Pak uh, revealed his ongoing Vader comic series, which I started to read. I got up to, to the part where uh, Sabe shows up. 
and the lockdown hit. And I have, I think I finally, my comic shop is uh, partially reopened and, I, and I've got a stack being mailed to me. I should get it today or tomorrow, including the new Afra stuff. So excited to catch up. Uh, Greg Pak revealed that uh, the the series, as it on goes, uh, as, as it on goes, as it goes on, um, will have connections to the rise of Skywalker. Vader to that. It's already, like I said, Sabe's there. It's already connecting uh, back to Phantom Menace and that kind of stuff. So I guess connections is the theme of the day, Joseph, for a lot of this stuff. Uh, again, I know maybe you're not on up in the series yet either, too. It's been tough to uh, actually just get it uh, as the comic was released this year. Uh, Vader, Rise of Skywalker, is there any wild guess you might have? Yeah, the stuff that makes sense to me, um, and, and uh, yeah, I'm not caught up on this because I, I usually wait until they've been out for a little while so I can uh, buy the collected series and, and usually uh, for a little bit of a discount there on old comicsology. But knowing that Sabe's there, I might pony up for each individual episode. And now the Rise of Skywalker, the Rise of Skywalker connections that make sense to me is you know, Vader had that Wayfinder at his castle and it seems this seems like the right era for storytelling of Palpatine saying, you know, I, I I want to explore these other avenues of the dark side. You have a wayfinder, or maybe this story is more complex than that. It's like Palpatine's got I've I've got my wayfinder, and maybe mm-hmm. Vader finds his separately. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, Ochi of Bastoon, I love Ochi of Bastoon. The design, the idea of him. Uh, I, I think there's some room for confusion with uh, exactly how the knife works and when it came into his possession. So I think that whole side of it, the Wayfinder, the Ochi, the knife, I would love to see some of that in this comic. Absolutely. And uh, the, the, what's, what's that character that got cut? The Webbish Bog character. That is, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and some of the, the cultists there on Mustafar. I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm excited by what you're pitching to the point where again i have to be careful because if it goes some other direction i'll be disappointed but yeah that, <laughs> seems, that seems the place to be um in terms of connections to the rise of skywalker so we'll look for it and i'm sure if there's uh, something uh, juicy our four center word of the month we will dig into it here final quick story here this is not a surprise but variety confirmed that the star wars movies and many other movies including the avatar movies for disney uh and their fox releases uh will be moved back uh, 2022 film was what we were expecting next for Star Wars. That slides back, and now uh, we've got releases set for December 22nd, 2023, December 19th, 2025, and December 17th, 2027. Don't do it, Joseph. Don't look ahead on the calendar and wonder how old you'll, you'll be when that happens. <laughs> it will depress your Sunday afternoon. Um, as I did when I put the story together. So, all right. Now, again, not surprise, uh, no surprises here, but what is it? What does this do to us as fans waiting this long or pushing it off? Um, and also how important is Disney plus now, Joseph? Oh man, Disney plus is extremely important. And I think it's been, you know, growing in importance. I think the other thing with Disney plus is like, like we already talked about the, the live shows, you know, are going to get delayed unless something changes more significantly with, with the virus, uh, as well. Uh, unless any, uh, I guess, yeah, I won't get into all that. Obviously it, it can be delayed, but if Disney plus keeps developing the way it is, Disney plus is really doing the, Hey, let's, uh, let's play over here. Let's play over here. Maybe these things will come together. Maybe there'll be spinoffs of the Mandalorian. We've heard rumbles about that. If there is a solo verse, you know, brewing, all these kind of possibilities in some ways uh, that's exciting and, and I love it. But in some ways that makes me feel even more like maybe the movies should be a trilogy. Um, 
Maybe that's what I want as a fan. I'm not predicting anything. I'm just talking about desire. Because if we get the sort of, the way we've talked a lot about the way the MCU built, right? You know, it was planned, but it wasn't. And uh, these characters had their own stories and they came together and then they became more and more interconnected. We've talked a lot about like, maybe that would be a model for Star Wars on the big screen. But now that we're kind of getting that potentially on Disney+, Plus. It makes me excited to just be like, yeah, announce the Taika Waititi trilogy and just mm. go for it. Mm. Yeah, I yeah, uh, this I mean, for me, this effectively kills my my hope for a Ryan Johnson trilogy. I mean, that that's been I think on a on a th- thin line thread, anyways. But what you're talking about excites me, and 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 I don't mind them having more time to make these films, right? Uh, I'm sure some work and stuff and pre-production and art and all those kind of things have been ongoing and, and those, some of that stuff can still go. It's just the actual, uh, just uh, the making of that's uh, really difficult. It makes me think though, too, not saying it's easier. I know some friends in town I have are, are getting back to some sort of production, uh, mm-hmm. not big scale, um, you know, chat shows or whatever. And, and one of my friends is now a COVID uh, compliance officer for the production unit, whatever that, uh, you know, entails. Um but he, um, uh, but 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 it made me think that you know it might be. I'm not an expert here. Don't I've no medical degrees on my wall here. <laughs> Star Wars figures. It could be down the line, not right now, but in early part of 2021, easier to shoot on the volume in a more controlled setting than going on location, than going to take a big movie production. You've seen what it took to make Rise of Skywalker or Last Jedi. So. Disney Plus might be the home for a bit, you know, uh, uh, for home for Star Wars. And that's okay for me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just fine with that. And in some ways, like, I'm, I really miss having the experience of seeing uh, a movie in the theater. And we've gone through the cycle now uh, so many times with these uh, these five Disney movies of when the trailers drop. And here, here's how long we have to talk about <laughs> speculating before the next trailer and all that. It, it's a really fun ride. And in a way, it's uh, I'm sad that we're not going to experience that for a while. But I'm also, I think it will change the conversation. You know, it was already going to be a much bigger break than normal. Now it's an even bigger break. And I think we there's some things we can't even imagine of what will be the conversation? What will be the attitude to Star Wars by December 2023? How much of this sort of, you know, disagreements in the part of the Star Wars community conversation that can get, you know, kind of mean and ugly sometimes b- between debates about, Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker and Last Jedi versus Rise of Skywalker and it was solo necessary and all those things. How much of that is just going to feel like way in the rear view mirror and a lot of people are just excited to have a new Star Wars movie on the big screen? Mm. Unintentional source of hope might have just sprung <laughs> up there. We'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, Force Center plans to be here for all three of those movies. We'll see you in 2027, folks. Seriously, time, man, time is a thing. I remember the moment they announced the Lucasfilm had been sold, and, and you're looking at those dates, 2015 for a new Star Wars. That's like a lifetime. Oh, man, time, time moves so fast. So, anyways, those dates scare me, but I'm excited for the content here. Uh, we're to our 12th anniversary episode, <laughs> yeah. getting ready for the final film in that well, lineup. 
Welcome to the 1,000th edition of Star Wars Ranked. There we go. Uh, all right. That is a look at the news uh, for this week. Uh, we'll see what uh, breaks right after we release this episode this week, and we'll talk about it next episode or the next news episode. Before we take a quick break, we want to do a Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what do we have? Uh, this is one that is very recent. We're going to review it in the next couple of weeks, so you should give it a listen to. It is Dr. Afra by Sarah Kuhn. Absolutely. A review forthcoming. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook or audio content. There you go. All right. Oh, all right. We are going to take a quick break on the other side. Jedi Temple Challenge and your questions. It's Force Center News and Cues. Stick around. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Center, it's the news and cues show. We don't need that jingle because Tony Jackson's more talented than me, but we're back here, Joseph. And uh, we looked at the news, we're gonna look at some cues. But, Joseph, the eighth episode of Jedi Temple Challenge dropped this past week. Are you ready to swing in to the conversation? I, I think I have the strength, I have the core strength to swing into the conversation. Probably not to physically do the actual swing, but to talk about it, yes. We could. Uh, blue team was Julie and Daniel. Orange team, Marizel and Toulon. Love that team. Purple, Arthur and Grant. I loved Arthur and Grant as well. Speaking of swinging, man, they were swinging experts. There was a shot in the background. I think it was Grant. It was just like, I was like, that kid knows how to swing on a rope. I love it. <laughs> then he fell off the sled and that cost him the agony. But they had they had uh, great perspective in one, one of the more competitive first rounds, Joseph. 
Yeah, it was really nerve wracking because they were really, really close and putting their all into it. Uh, I, you know, I have to say, I I really laughed hard at the intros in like a really great way. Uh, right at the beginning of the thing, uh, the show, they always introduce themselves, and uh, I think Julian Daniel said, uh, "We're twins." Uh, and then Arthur and Grant said, we're the best. And then uh, Mary Ezel and, and, and Tulin said, we're orange. <laughs> we're the orange team. Like, we're the twins team. We're the best team. We're the orange team. It was like perfect, perfect comedy timing. Oh, I love that. That was great. That was fun. There were some great, I tell you what, there's some great shots in this one that I love. Some shots of like the, the, the power sled from afar that just looked really good. So uh, good job, T, and that was good. I, I, this one, eight episodes in, we can definitely confirm uh, something, Joseph. 83 really loves potty humor. I think yeah. I'm okay with it. Are you? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I think sometimes a, a, a droid has to express their personality in different ways. Different droids develop uh, different forms of etiquette. <laughs> and I think uh, this is a droid that has a sense of humor. And uh, and sometimes, yeah. you know, uh, potty humor is great. And I, yeah. I think uh, I think this droid has proven that. Yeah. And to, and to be clear, I, I'm only half teasing. I think I think it's really funny. Mary Holland's great. I just love that uh, this is the first time in Star Wars. And, you know, this I count this somewhat, somewhat canon, thanks to Keller and Beck's uh, uh, presence and 83s. Man, it's just, it is... Uh, Things coming out the other end, including lightning, the door. I love it. I love it. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm. Uh, I, this is weird, but I. I have done a, a long stand-up thing about uh, about lightning and butts. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt seen by '83. I like that very much. I, I like the the uh, implication uh, that the uh, the astromech uh, was going to the refresher as well. <laughs> yes, and it was a great. There was a great reaction cutaway to that too. There. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, I love this. Daniel and Julie brought up um, intelligence versus knowledge. I'm going to say intelligence, wisdom versus knowledge. That's a, that's a time-honored Star Wars lesson. Dexter Jester's excited about that. Would you, did you react to that statement at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, it is uh, definitely like that's the, the challenge of, of the, the second round there. And I thought it was great that, uh, that they called it out. They did. Uh, Marisol got hung up on the goggles, uh, uh, a.k.a. binders versus the uh, binoculars. And I... Absolutely sympathize. I think I, in a pinch, I would have done that too. Well, these look like glasses, you know, <laughs> just would have grabbed them, but they lost. They got eliminated. Joseph, the orange team. But Toulon said, it's just so much better to have fun. Yeah. This was a great episode for just, uh, uh, being great sports. It, Cause there's that other shot too, uh, where as soon as the second round was over and it was pretty close that the one kid turned to the other and like for the handshake and great game. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's great to see, uh, the kids behaving like little Jedi, little Jedi. Indeed. We go into the uh, final round here, the competition, and uh, it was blue team, Julie and Daniel. And, uh, you know, there are either some new or they, they you know, switched up the uh, uh, games a little bit in this round here. I always enjoyed that. But uh, the communication breakdown, I felt it. It was a hard game to kind of communicate on. And I think I would have gone the route of Daniel. I don't explain things well, Joseph. You, you, you maybe even experienced it. Well, I'm just like, it's got a thing, pointy. <laughs> squiggle grab the squiggle and i i could see me causing this breakdown uh how would you have done in this here and 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 what do you think about their choice to go to the, the dark side yeah this was one of the more stressful because they you know there's this great star wars rhythm that they're uh they're twins right uh and it seemed like they were really in sync and i thought they're just gonna breeze through this and then there was that communication breakdown where daniel was describing things in almost too much detail 
<laughs> it yeah. seemed like for Julia of like, okay, this one has uh, three X's and a squiggle and a five thing. And then they... <laughs> so then I got like, oh no, they're not going to make it. They're going to give into the dark side. Yeah. Uh, and man, this quote that you have written down uh, yeah, I... from, from, that was from Daniel, right? Daniel. Uh, yeah. Oh man, it was great. Yeah. He says, uh, uh, going to the dark side was quote something a Jedi shouldn't have really done. Oh, that broke my heart. It was great. Like, but then he followed it up with, "What can I say? It was a time saver." And shrugged. I, I mean, it is a game, and I don't. And they won, and they won. There, they got to the end. They became Jedi Knights, so it worked out. And yeah, but I just love picturing uh, every character we've ever loved who's fallen to the dark side. I, I picture Vader <laughs> shrugging and saying. It was a time saver. <laughs> it was something I shouldn't really have done. <laughs> Even just today, I'm, I'm sending text messages to my AC repairman who's coming over, and like he's asking for one bit of information. Four paragraphs later, I'm like, and uh, then it's it's kind of got a shade of yellow on the tag, <laughs> and he's just like, just give me the specs, man. So I feel you, Daniel. I feel you, Julie. But you, you got there. You became Jedi Knight, and that's always fun to see. Uh, we got a couple episodes left here, Joseph. I'm going to miss this show when it's gone. It's a fun little uh, thing to watch. And I got to tell you, I what do you think about this? I'm pitching this idea. Lego Jedi Temple playset. I I would like much like I, it's a big set too. Like I, I you know, the Bright Tree Village set or Jabba's Palace Lego playset that's got a lot of little things you got to build up. So you got the leap and lift, uh, you got a power sled you got to build, uh, and you got a bunch of little minifigs. Uh, I know you're not a super big Lego collector as I am. Um, but you'd be on board for that. You got to, you you got to smash that buy button then. Oh yeah. I want it to exist. I, I will, I will purchase it and support it with money and, and uh, send it to uh, maybe some of uh, my nieces and nephews uh, to play with the Lego Jedi temple playset. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but I think I'm even more excited about your next pitch. Oh my gosh. Okay. We got to have a video game of this now. Yes. We got to have a very fancy, PlayStation 4, Xbox uh, kind of game there. I want kind of a retro style game going back to the old Epics Olympic Games series, which included uh, world games and summer games on the Commodore 64. Uh, simple kind of, um, uh, you know, different phases of competition type of thing. Get to choose your team, uh, your color, uh, you know, blue, orange, or purple. And then you get to go through different rounds and you do it individually. So it's for time, maybe. Um, uh, maybe it's a split screen if you're playing with a friend so you can try to build the hilts. I want a simpler version of this kind of video game. Oh, that, that's great. I, I would say, you know, uh, you got go video game. Uh, but what I, what I want more than anything is, uh, you know, uh, there's all those old uh, old game shows where if you won, you'd also be sent home with the home version. <laughs> And I want Yoda to say, like, Daniel, Julia, Jedi Knights, you have become. And sending home with home version. <laughs> oh, I told everyone. That. Contestants received the home game version of Wheel of Fortune, which was fun. Oh, they got to <laughs> add that for season two. Yeah. Come on, Bromley. I know yeah. you Yeah. Add that for season two, the home game version. <laughs> and I wish, I wish that uh, we hadn't entirely. Well, I guess anyway. Uh this seems like a like 2007 2008 there would have been a Jedi Temple Challenge uh Wii Sports game. Oh yeah. Oh we could still make that happen. Yeah, and I would love yeah. that. Oh that'd be great. I just I just also I just had uh, Grace and I watched Knives Out again last night and just the uh 
the Frank Oz moment, just him. I just, I, now I want to hear Frank Oz recording, as you just said, Joseph. The <laughs> version. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> Anyways, Jedi Devil Challenge. That's our look at episode, episode eight. Congratulations to all competitors for entertaining us in a, such a wonderful Star Wars way. Uh, from there, Joseph, it's uh, time for audience questions. That is right. We take audience questions from social media and from our great patrons on Patreon. We got a couple from Twitter and a couple from Patreon. So starting with Twitter, we got a question from Gilbert Lugo. Gilbert says, when you read a Star Wars book and an alien species you're not familiar with is named, do you look it up to get the visual in mind or do you leave it up to the books to give the little details you need to picture it yourself? This is the great kind of all in on Star Wars kind of question we can get and tackle here at Force Center. Uh, so Ken, uh, I'm very passionate about this question. What's the answer for you? This is why we work together as a team. Um, I'm a, okay. I, 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 in elementary school, I want people to know I received <laughs> award pencils for my reading comprehension skills. All right. I want people to know that. <laughs> I just sometimes I'll wait to, a Star Wars explained video or until Joseph tells me what alien it is. <laughs> some of them I know some, a lot, most of them I know. Um, I have a habit. I just think I read kind of fast sometimes, or it's at the end of the day and I have good intentions. I'll make notes of, of that quote on that page for a review. But I just, as a general reader, I sometimes do have a problem of just kind of going, I'm not, I'm not sure what that is. Now again, in Star, I, I know most of them in Star Wars, but there are there have been times where I've been like later on in the book or maybe talking with you, not necessarily on the review, but getting a note or something. I'll be like, oh, yeah, oh, that, uh, it was that, uh, oh that's right. It wasn't Ori Marco. OK, yeah. So that happens. Yeah. So you like to uh, uh, Ori Marco is a character. He's a Drazillian as a species. Yes. So I, <laughs> I can't let that stand. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, has is a Drazillian. Um, <laughs> So it's partially like you want to keep the flow going, right? Yeah, that was the character, Hasobit. I was like half a book. I didn't realize he was a Drusillian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought he was Bob from accounting. I didn't know. <laughs> um, is it that you want to keep the flow going that you're just like, I can't stop for every verk? Yes, yes. Um, I. This isn't just Star Wars. I sometimes have, again, This I'm joking, but I, I, I've been a... a reader since I was very young and all that kind of stuff. So I love reading books. I, I want people to know that. I don't know why I'm defending like I'm a dummy or something. I, I'm very sensitive about this. I just have a habit, ha- habit of like, I'll read it, I'll enjoy it, and I'll wait to the end of the chapter to wrap everything up. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what this chapter is about. Yeah, yeah. That's good, Joseph. I'm not saying it's good, but I do. No, it's totally understandable. And I, I feel conflicted that way because I like to take notes for our reviews and then I don't I don't really feel like for our reviews because they're already long enough. I don't we don't need to mention every species. So I don't need to write that down for review purposes. But I do stop because I want to know. Um, I For some reason, that's one of the areas of Star Wars knowledge that I really enjoy having. I think it's because uh, sometimes it's enriching and sometimes it's just one of those. Yeah, I just go back to, you know, being the only person in my friend group who had any idea that Greedo had a species name and it was Rodian. And it's just it's fun and weird and a part of the way that I enjoy Star Wars. So I like knowing them. Uh, so I'm, it, it gives me a little burst of joy every time something comes up and like, Oh, I know, I know that's, that's Coleman Trabor's species. Like it makes me happy. 
but so then when one comes up that I don't know, I don't even wait for the book to try to explain it to me. I look it up. Uh, and you know, and I think that can be, it it can slow you down and that can be frustrating, but it can be really rewarding in terms of getting insights on the author, because sometimes I've been like, ah, man, I don't know that species. So I'll look it up. And like when we're reading Shadowfall, this alphabet squadron, second book, there were a couple species where I looked them up and like, oh, there's not even an image of that because it's just from Expanded Universe. I didn't realize Alexander Freed was a big Expanded Universe guy and that's informing the choices he's making about what aliens he's putting in. And I got a little insight into the author. That's great. That's why you and I make a good team. I don't know what I bring to it, but you bring that. And that's why I'm looking for you so far. <laughs> you bring your pencils for reading comprehension. No joke. I just got rid of them. <laughs> I found why? them. I found them in storage. I think I kept some of them. And this was my recently, I'm going to dump stuff in a fire pit and burn it and purge parts of my life because I'm holding on to junk for no reason. I found my pencil awards from Margaret Harlow Elementary School. So there you go. Good attendance attendance was in there too. Uh, We'll we'll dive into that into our upcoming show that's uh, not Star Wars counseling, just plain old counseling where Ken and I counsel one another on why we make choices. Uh, we're going to move along. Great question, Gilbert. Uh, love the species in the books and, and I'm delighted when I know them. Look them up when I don't. There's our answer. So we're going to move on to Ben uh, Kasi, I believe. Uh, ben says, in episode three, Palpatine says the Sith will rule and create peace. How much do you think this was true? Was it to manipulate Anakin or does he think his evil way will create peace? Does he even want peace? Do you think when he became chancellor, that was once his goal in greed changed it? Ooh, this is a juicy Palpatine question. Uh, I'm sure Palpatine says the word juicy and I'm sure it's disturbing. Ken, what are your thoughts on this juicy Palpatine question? I think if he wanted true peace early on, he was five. Um, I think <laughs> this is his piece. I think he does use it to manipulate not just Anakin, but every everyone. That's that's what he's selling, safe and secure society. Mm-hmm. You hear that? And uh, to me, a great example is Ray Sloan, who on her planet growing up, bad things going on, the Empire comes in, cleans it up, and from her point of view and her personal experience, it was a safer and secure society because of the Empire. So she joins up and then starts to discover that her version of the empire wasn't the one that maybe existed. And there goes some of the wonderful wrinkles into her story and her character. I, I, so I think it is, it is true. Not it's true from his point of view. And then along the way, it's, it, he does want peace, his peace, his Mm -hmm. peace on his terms and what that means. He's very peaceful in his office, just thinking of evil things to do and staring at his art. He's got (laughs) peace all the way through it. Um, and it's uh, fueled by his hate. So that's that's my thought, Ben. Those are all great thoughts, and, and I agree. I, I think that Palpatine fell sometime in his youth. I know we got the Darth uh, Plagueis novel, which is uh, not entirely canon at the moment. Bits and pieces have been grabbed up here. Uh, but just in, in general, not to be pedantic about the canon, I feel like that, that makes sense to me as the truth of the character uh, that he, he something happened to him in his youth where he fell and he never looked back on like some of our other conflicted uh, dark siders. Um, so I don't think he ever meant anything, but exactly what you're saying, his point of view, peace to him, which I think is an interesting wrinkle. But I think uh, 
a part of why I love both the safe and secure society and the way he says that to Anakin in particular in the office of once more the Sith shall rule the galaxy and we shall have peace. There's even that contrast in in the way he's saying it. You know, there's the kind of the violence and the excitement of the Sith are, are have their revenge and this will lead to peace. But it's just such a he's offering that lie to Anakin. And I think it is absolutely one of Lucas's point of uh, peace and order and security is the lie of authoritarianism, I think, is Lucas's uh, point. And it's extra powerful because it is a lie that he can offer the whole world weary galaxy of like these separatists have been in this war, been causing all of this uh, violence and chaos. But if it's just an empire and you just give up a little bit of your freedom and just let me run everything, then you'll have peace. But it's even more specific lie to Anakin, where Anakin wants to save Padme, but he's also been working so hard for years to end the war. And he's handing this convenient lie to Anakin of like, look, the dark side is just another way to look at the force. It's just a part of the puzzle, just a part of the mystery. You just need to, you know, learn about that. Uh, defeat these Jedi who are going to kill us anyway, right? So it's really kind of defense. And then you'll be able to end the war. You'll have peace and you and Padme can be married. He's offering all sorts of things that he knows are a lie. Yeah. And, and they're directly things that Anakin wants. He's basically saying, here are lies that you can tell yourself so when you feel horrible guilt about the awful things you're about to do, you can cling to this specific lie. Hold on. Hold on tight. Yeah, hold on to this lie. It, and then the thing that you're saying about his point of view I really like and I think is, is super juicy because, yeah, he's this controlling figure and, and it's his version of peace because he has all the power now. But the nature of being Sith, the nature of being dark side you need anger, you need conflict. And I think that Palpatine and the dark side insidious thrive on the resistance from the galaxy. And if, if he were able to totally uh, pacify the galaxy, he'd find another way to create conflict because the nature of the dark side is not peace. The nature of the dark side is conflict. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he, and he needs to keep pointing to those examples of those dastardly rebels threatening your safe and secure society. Yeah, yeah, he needs the uh, he needs the others to say, look at look at the this is why the the Jedi are the problem. Those rebels are the problem, not yeah. me, <laughs> the wrinkled guy in a dark cloak who shoots lightning out of his fingers. I'm not the problem. I'm not the problem. It's the people on Lothal stealing fruit. <laughs> it is. It's the yeah the joking. It's not joking fruit. It's the 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 fruit in Jedi Temple Challenge. Uh, what? Oh, yeah, yeah. that fruit. Well, anyway, yeah, that one. Yeah, L- 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 oh, oh, they say it every week on Jedi Temple Challenge. We're going to have to look it up. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed, Ken, that I forgot a, a Star Wars fruit name. But I'll remember it next week. We're going to move on to uh, questions from uh, patrons on Patreon. Uh, we've got this one from Brendan Safinski. Uh, that's my best run at the last name. Apologize if I got it wrong. Uh, Brendan has a some great thoughts. This is a little bit of an essay form question. Uh, so here we go. You ready, Ken? I am, sir. Having rewatched The Rise of Skywalker a few times now, it occurred to me the sequel trilogy is very much about legacy and what you want your legacy to be. Each character plays a direct role in the development of the sequel's main characters. Some think their glory days were back during the Rebellion. Han and Luke both go astray, thinking they're doing more harm than good straying around, but uh, realize they are still needed to light the way for this next generation of heroes. Leia's teachings are present throughout the sequel trilogy. 
This theme is then driven home in the rise of Skywalker with lines like, what our mothers and fathers fought for, we will not let die, which gets me misty every time I hear it, says Brendan, and I agree. Pretty much the entire scene between Poe and Lando, and so much more. Palpatine's entire plan is about preserving his legacy. With this in mind, you guys speak often about the recurring themes of Star Wars, but is there a distinct theme or message that you find uh, applies to the story of each trilogy? So, Ken, uh, do you have a general reaction to Brendan's thoughts on legacy? And then uh, let's talk about what we think each trilogy means. Oh, I, th- I think Brendan's uh, right on with a lot of that stuff in there. I think that's the part of the uh, journey of Rise of Skywalker is the many areas it touches upon. And you and I have talked about, you know, your past and overcoming your past or overcoming what you think, which is just a little bit what he touched upon there and those gl- that glory days comment. I love the moment of, of Lando being like, my flying days are done because of reasons that are probably made up in my head. So I think that's important. Yeah, as far as, so generally, I think you're onto something in, in each movie. They're all kind of similar in a way. They're all part of the larger tapestry of themes in Star Wars. So a lot of them to me sometimes are, are similar, but to break it down movie by movie, we might need an episode, but um, yeah, I definitely have some thoughts. Okay, yeah, um, I'm I'm sorry, I was getting distracted because I remembered it's a maileron, maileron fruit, right? There you go. That's <laughs> now I'm back to our deep themes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I think uh, I think Brendan summarizes a lot of these ideas of of legacy uh, that are just everywhere, everywhere in the sequel trilogy. And you know, we always uh, have lots of discussions, which I think are really valid for different fans about, you know, how much nostalgia is stopping the sequel trilogy from telling a new story or having new ship designs and all that. But at the same time, for me, that's always a little bit like, yeah, but the point is dealing with legacy. The point is, wrestling with the past and moving forward so that's uh, you know uh it for me some of the nostalgia of the sequel trilogy is uh not a bug it's a feature it's it's what is mm-hmm. it's meant to be uh so i totally agree with that in terms of the other trilogies we could definitely uh have a big long uh, juicy episode about that but i got some thoughts do you uh, are you ready yeah, no, let's dive on, dive on in. And I, I know Brandon just kind of asked specifically to the trilogy, not necessarily each individual movie, too. So uh, happy to do happy to discuss that. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. I think for prequels, to me, it really is about uh, this general idea of corruption and how both individually good people and good, well-intentioned systems fall to the dark side. I mean, it certainly is about Palpatine Sidious's manipulations, but I think it's some of our, I think ever-growing appreciation on Force Center of the Phantom Menace of all of this picture of Anakin as a innocent kid who really means well and of Shmi who's given him all this great wisdom that that's 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 all there in Phantom Menace because then we see the tragedy of that being lost you know so it's not just Anakin's fall to Vader it's uh the uh, Galactic Republic's fall it is the jedi orders fall so so much of it about it the prequels to me is about a fall it's about corruption it's about um lost uh, being being good and but still losing your way how do you feel about that ken yeah no right there with you especially uh, lately we've focused on the jedi order and we talk about justice for the jedi part of that is really acknowledging that yeah they they were defeated on the surface by the Sith or Palpatine and eventually Vader and Order 66. And the, the, that's the, that's the house, but we, we love those wise. And it, and, and it came, the, the, the call came from inside. Uh, the problem was inside and, and, and that seems, but, but, but also 
it doesn't tear down uh, the the Jedi Order as this bad bad thing. Just is like here's how it could go bad. Here's how the original tensions can be lost, and and here here how, how here's how all of that leads to destruction, attachment. Of course, big theme because of what it means to Anakin. Time and time again, I just in watching the Clone Wars movie. You know, we're going to review that on Friday, but just that moment so clear with Yoda being like, "Yeah, no, we Anakin needs a pad pad padawan because he needs to learn how to." let go uh really important things there too so i'll throw that in there as well yeah yeah absolutely um i think the original trilogy is fascinating because it in some ways it is absolutely telling its own story it's also like it is the template of star wars it is telling the story of star wars so you kind of uh as the original part of the storytelling so you kind of look at some of it of just like this is really just establishing all of the themes and ideas that might spiral out uh from this galaxy far far away but then when you really look at it in context of the three trilogies, to me, it is about, uh, I would say, redemption and really just becoming the best you, <laughs> to put it in motivational poster terms. Because it, it's not just that uh, Vader returns to being Anakin, that he is, you know, potentially uh, one of the Jedi who is returning in Return of the Jedi. But then you look at the what all of the individual characters, uh, the main characters are facing, too, of... Luke has to overcome his impatience and his anger and his fear to become the very best version of himself. That's Han's entire journey is, you know, I, I, I've got this good person buried inside of me under these uh, scars that make me a scoundrel. Can I get past them? Uh, Leia kind of makes herself more whole by saying um, she's a steadfast character who knows what is right and is really strong. But there's this part of herself that she hasn't allowed to open up, which is her emotions and her uh, connection and her kind of allowing herself to be this full person. And she accomplishes that uh, by entering this relationship with Han and truly bonding with her brother. We talked about Lando in this episode. There's another person who becomes the best version of themselves. So it's not just Anakin. I feel like everyone in the original trilogy is ultimately rising to the challenge of being as good as they can possibly be. Yeah, that is, that is pretty inspiring too. When you, when you, when you, when you go back and even look at it with those, with those eyes and tell them the story. And I think, again, we talk about the era seventies into eighties, particularly eighties. We focus a lot on Jedi and this idea that, uh, you know, the, 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 how you fight and how you win is important. And uh, talking about Luke throwing down his blade is essentially in general, how he defeats Palpatine, right? Or how he saves his father who defeats Palpatine. Also, I, I focus on the idea of um, uh, compassion and um, connecting with those around you and seeing them uh, as an equal. I go to Leia handing uh, Wicket a snack. This fun, silly, cute moment is all about her compassion um, and seeing uh, the Ewok, seeing Wicket as as he is, a, a, a creature that's uh, fully functional, and not seeing uh, the Ewoks as the Empire did, and because because at that point it's the same, right? Your helmet scares me, your poncho scares me. You're probably just the same, and that little act of compassion changes everything, and and that leads to a, a military victory, a little bit different than Luke's. Um, but same kind of thing, compassion being a big part of, of Jedi specifically. Yeah, no, I think that's one of the things that really, really makes me uh, just love the prequels because of the way they talk about the original trilogy. And I'm, I'm glad you uh, brought that up, that the prequels are this fear 
of the danger of attachment. And there's so much in the original trilogy that is the reminder of like, no, uh, attachment is our greatest strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, for sequel trilogy, uh, I, I think for myself, I totally agree with uh, with Brendan about this idea of legacy. Um, but I think the younger generation um, is dealing with living in the shadow of the the previous generation. And through that, I think it really becomes a story about defining your own destiny of being affected by the past, uh, but really getting to choose who you are. It's, you know, one of the reasons that I love the choice in Rise of Skywalker to have both uh, Poe and Finn confronted by shadows of their own recent past, uh, the same way Rey is confronted by this truth of her lineage so that they all can really wrestle with making the decision of who they want to be and how they want to incorporate uh, the the legacies that they found themselves uh, literally growing up in. Yeah, yeah. The shadow, the, the shadow of of the legacies is, is definitely a big part of it because because again, it goes in, as, as even Brendan touched upon goes to the the older characters as well. Um, uh, it, it, that that shadow can be absolutely crushing, uh, as we saw with Han and 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 Luke, particularly Luke. So. Absolutely, I'll, I'll second the the shadow of the legacy and the legacy, and then the destiny to choose. And we t- we talked how many times now have we brought up that destiny brings you to that point of choice? That's big in all of Star Wars, but it seems really important in the sequels. Yeah, yeah. So this is a great great thought starter and uh, conversation starter, Brendan. And the last thing I'll have to say is I do feel like the whole Skywalker saga is about a lot more than Anakin uh, Vader, but I also do like that for my own interpretation. Anakin Vader goes through this arc that then kind of a lot of characters move through with him. If the prequels is his fall and a lot of things fall, the original trilogy is a lot of is his return and, and a lot of people uh, choosing to be the best selves. And then the sequel is so much about, well, all of these events happened uh, and they don't just stay in the past. So it's kind of, you know, that that Vader helmet is a lot of the sequel trilogy just in that one image of just because you became better and you're gone doesn't mean that what happened before doesn't continue to ripple out into the future. There you go. Good thought starter, Brendan. Yeah. So we can move on to our final question from Jeremy Klein. Jeremy says, my current Star Wars project is rewatching the movies in chronological order and reading the corresponding novelizations, although I cheated and started with The Rise of Skywalker first, since that one was so hotly anticipated. Having never read the novelizations before, it has been an interesting experience. Is there are some parts of them I really enjoy and other parts that don't line up with my view and understanding of the characters in the movies. So my question is, have you read any, all the novelizations? And if so, which ones did you like the most and why? Were there any that just flat out didn't work for you? Thanks and keep up the great work. Thank you, Jeremy, for the great question. Yeah. Ken, novelizations, how you feeling? Oh, I love them. I've, I've read all of the, the movie ones. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I got to find my Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. They're somewhere in some box someplace. Uh, but I just recently reread the Phantom Menace novelization and loved it. Just, just some great stuff. Some, some, some good insights. Some extra stuff with Anakin that I thought was um, just uh, it was I don't know. Just it's just a lot of cool little Annie stuff. So check that out. Uh, recently completed. Uh, well, recently, probably a couple of years ago now. On Spotlight Star Wars, I kind of did a poke through, not a full read through, but a poke through of the original novelizations uh, for the original trilogy. And there's some great stuff. The, my favorite, I, I bring, I, I mentioned a lot. It's just like you just forget. 
you focus on, I don't know, the Return of the Jedi novel where Owen Lars was uh, Obi-Wan's brother and there's a mention of the molten lava and Vader falling in and all exciting things. That's uh, the, the Mon Mothma, the description of who she is and what's going on, the rebellion. You read that, it's from 1983, and you're like, oh, everything in Star Wars Rebels, everything in Rogue One, everything in Solo, everything we're learning now all comes from that. It's like two pages. <laughs> the whole story of the rebellion. You're like, wow, that's funny. I didn't focus on that as a, as a kid. <laughs> I didn't read on the fractured cells, uh, Mothma having to be kind of put forward as a leader and she's a senator on the run. All those, it's all there and it's really insightful and a great reveal. So I love all of them. Uh, the ones that, uh, as far as moments and everything, um, nah, other than just little canon things, I'm trying to think. It's been a while since the Attack of Clones Revenge of the Death. I want to dig back into those ones. Um, and, and the Force Awakens novelization was uh, was fine. It didn't offer a tremendous additional uh, amount of insight that I want from the novelizations. I do want that, and I didn't uh, one didn't get that as much for that one. Yeah, yeah, and and they've really moved into that uh, that direction of of really, in fact, having it be a part of the advertising. Right, they're expanded editions, and you're going to get some little scenes and insights that were not in the movie, kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I've read all of them. I started the Force Awakens novelization and didn't make it through. I think there's, for me, there was a, a hard contrast between the the Force Awakens felt very fresh and new and exciting to me. Uh, I get some of the criticisms about, you know, too much nostalgia, but the contrast between that and the, just the style of prose from an older writer felt mm-hmm. a little uh, clunky. And especially, I think we were really beginning our, you know, canon journey with new books. And, and there was little details early on that the movie and the book disagreed. And I felt like, ah, I want to stay in the world of, of the canon. So I'll go back and finish that Force Awakens novelization uh, someday. But besides that, I have read them all. Um, the original trilogy ones are are the most interesting in some ways because they are a, a, a snapshot of a different time. The only thing that ever just like didn't work for me, the solo novelization... Uh, had a take that Kira was not aware that Maul was in charge of Crimson Dawn. And that that's a thing for me of like, well, maybe that'll become like super canon, I, whatever. But in my head canon, the way I watch Solo, it feels like she knows something that Han really doesn't. And that yeah. that feels like that's what it is. Like uh, when I watch that movie, I feel like she knows who she's calling, you know? Yeah. To yeah, me. It's a little thing I disagree with. Um but then, I, yeah, I really want to do a reread of the original trilogy novelizations. Uh, this is a weird Star Wars memory that I don't think I've ever uh, shared. There was a summer when I was still in high school that I uh, worked at a bank as a temp uh, downtown. And my job was mostly to stamp why checks bounced. It was a very depressing job. <laughs> There was one check that I had to stamp for NSF for insufficient funds, and the person had literally written on the check, only 50 cents. <laughs> very, very depressing job. So uh, every day I'd go in, I'd go down, I'd take the bus, and I'd go down to downtown Minneapolis a little bit early, and there's a place called Baxter's Books. I don't know why I started doing this, because I didn't have a copy. And I read the A New Hope novelization Every morning, I'd read a chapter before work, just crouched over in the bookstore. <laughs> yeah, nice. And read the whole nice. book that way. And uh, the thing that I I, I got a, a new copy recently mm-hmm. in that that prologue, there's some minor differences from what eventually happens. 
But that just totally lays out a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about today about Palpatine and about the story of Star Wars from Lucas's perspective. I know that book was ghostwritten, uh, but still, it's coming from Lucas. The story of Star Wars is about a government that failed from the inside. And that's always been the story. And that's powerful to see that, hey, the the prologue of <laughs> uh, Star Wars, the novelization that came out, I believe, before the film even, already had the prequel story in the first pages. It's a yeah. great thing to revisit. Yeah. And I've talked about now it, it's from taken it's taken from the Journal of the Wills. And I spent most of my childhood going through used bookstores in my hometown looking for the Journal of the Wills, a Star Wars book that had to exist, Mom, because it says it right here. <laughs> I know. Can we just go to enough used bookstores to find it? <laughs> there you go. There got to be more Adventures of Luke Skywalker somewhere in this used bookstore. Somewhere. Yeah. So those are questions, all great ones. Jeremy, Brendan, Ben, Gilbert, thank you so much for the questions and much more to come. Absolutely. We got uh, a big show coming up for you all on Thursday. We're looking at masks in Star Wars. We have the Clone Wars report on Friday. We're re-watching it in chronological order. And now we have reached, well, our second episode. We've reached the movie. It's going to be a fun uh, adventure. So look for that. Uh, if you want to join the conversation and follow us on Twitter, go to Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Like us on Facebook. Follow on Instagram. Subscribe on YouTube. Podcast available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. We have merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us at patreon.com slash Force Center. We love new Patreons. We're making new plans. Always have new things coming, and we announce a lot of it through Patreon. And we have our own things we got going on. Now you can follow me at Ked Knapsack. As long as there's a baseball season, well, even, even if there's not a baseball season, I'll be talking about baseball <laughs> on Box Score Heroes, but it might be a short ride for up-to-date new information. We'll see about that. You can follow uh, follow me there at Box Score Heroes or go to KenNapsack.com. We are uh, doing our personal um, charity uh, spotlights here, and I, uh, I'm choosing uh, Be The Match this week. BeTheMatch.org is the National Bone Marrow Donor Program, which I am a part of. Uh, and it is a it is a simple thing, but it could be a potential life-saving thing. I got the call once, um, and it didn't go as, as far as uh, one would hope. The uh, situation changed during the process. Uh, I started to uh, go over to the City of Hope here outside Pasadena, and, it, and it's it's pretty... It's pretty touching and inspiring once you get involved and you feel you feel real um, you feel both humble and important uh, uh, and it's and it's a good feeling but it's an it's like gosh more should do this so I, I'm really highly recommending you all check out bethematch.org. Joseph, what do you have? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw and check out my website josephscrimshaw.com for other podcasts and comedy adventures. And the thing I'm highlighting today is Vote Forward. Their website is votefwd.org. And this is a site where you uh, add some personalizations to letters to just encourage people to use their power and vote here in America. It is something that I am doing and uh, feel good about engaging with the process and uh, encourage others to check that out. And see if it is for you do it do it do it we are out of here thank you for your cues to supplement our news we'll see you next time on force center
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.